Before this episode, we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wajuk Noongar people. We wish to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Chronic Sisters podcast. You're joined by your usual hosts, Jess and Sean. Welcome back, everybody, to episode three, three of season four. It mm. is lovely to have you here and we hope you enjoyed our completely rogue and totally inappropriate last episode. But everyone loved so, it. It's so funny because when we recorded that, I was like, oh, we're flat today. Yeah. I can tell in our tone. I was looking at you. I was like, we're flat. We are not delivering. Yeah. This is not funny. It's not and hitting. everyone messaged me like dying. Mm over how totally inappropriate we are. My dad messaged and he's like, normally it's you that's gone rogue, but Sean's bloody (laughs) lost the plot. It was about time. It was It's only taken four seasons for me to lose it, but you know. Yeah. Anyway. One of many, I'm sure, to come. I promise this week we will rein it in a little bit. Only slightly Yeah, slightly. Promise. We've actually got more things for you to learn this episode (laughs) than Sean's sphincters. Oh, Vogue messaged and I was like, quote of the season. I was like, yeah, fair. How's your smooth sphincter? Stop it. Totally inappropriate. Okay. We should put that on a jumper. We should. (laughs) Or or undies. Back of undies. How's your smooth sphincter? Stop it. (laughs) Hilarious. Run it in. Run it in. So it's early. It's early. We're only like a minute in. Okay. Should we hop to our first and favorite segment? Of course. Because that's what everyone's waiting for. Because by golly, do we have a list. There is a few this week because we went so off the rails. So <laughs> off the rails. But it is time for the Fun Fat Follow-Up. Better. Better. Much better. So good. That was yeah. the take two, everybody. The first one was shit. <laughs> um, so we have a very long list. So when I was editing, what I normally do is I write down all the things. I was like, oh, we said that wrong. Oh, that's probably not right. Oh, we need to look that up. And so I, as I was um, editing, I wrote them all down in my notes and I screenshot them, sent them to Jess <laughs> and we're going to go through all we of them. We are. We are. All right, go. Number one. Number one, the jazzling. Bloody hell, it's a thing, isn't it? Isn't it? I told you it, it is, was. And it's literally like those Coachella face gems that you literally. just stick on your fanny. Literally. I don't know why I thought it was more of a permanent thing. No. Like like, like piercing, piercing your punan. That's also a thing. Yeah, but I I don't know, vajazzling, that's what it was in my head, not just like a sprinkle of stick-on glitter. Yes. I messaged Fionn because I told you Fionn would know, and she was like, yeah, absolutely, it's a thing. Uh, It was on The Only Way is Essex. There you go. There you go. And it wasn't just in the UK. One of our listeners messaged and was like, it was definitely definitely in Australia. (laughs) And like that makes more sense because y'all have your... The JJ's out there a lot more than we do. In the summertime. Yeah, because we have one day of sun. Yeah, true. The rest is spent inside. Well, is that even a fun fact follow-up? You were, you were right, Sean. You didn't even need well, to like, fun I guess fact. the fun fact follow-up is that you were incorrect. Yeah, and we, was... you were also right with Dora and Diego as Dora the Explorer. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that one. Yeah, yeah. good job. Good nailed job. it, nailed it. I know my, um, m- what is it? Your nostalgia. No. Your cartoons. No, well, yeah, yeah, and that, but... Um, like pop culture. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. All right, next. Moving swiftly on away from the pubic area because we had enough of those areas last week. Um, well, you'll find out later that we're actually still in that area. Um, <laughs> so next one is how do dolphins talk? 
How I said last week not? about like sending sonic waves through the water. It's actually echolocation is how they talk. So it's not really talking. It's more finding space. But interestingly, when I Googled it, they um, dolphins talk with body language. I'm surprised I don't know that because I'm part dolphin. Oh, <laughs> just saying. Probably should know that. Should know oh, that. I will work on my dolphin facts. Yeah, well, you should. You know, it's probably on when... Um, Oh, we didn't really talk about that on the podcast because we went on break. But when you adopted me a dolphin for Christmas. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't read about that in my little book about Feather, my dolphin. Yeah. So for Christmas, I adopted a dolphin called Feather for Jess and I surprised her with the whole little package of information and old mate was very excited about the information magnet that uh, it came with oh yeah he was <laughs> but Feather's still on my fridge so I could <laughs> refer to Feather's info for you could. some communication style I'm updates. sure she says all about how she talks to everyone probably um I've got another one for you Go I for said that I wanted to get a piercing, and I think I called it a rook piercing because I yes. wasn't sure. It is the rook piercing. Oh, I've it googled is. it. That is what I would like. You can confirm. Yeah, good. So that that's a that's a good one. That is what a good one. What was that um, spiky mat that I said you lay on? Shakti. See, I said it was like a shakshuka. Like a shakshuka the, is the, the, the food you eat. The yeah, little that hot is. Pot. Yeah, there's the eggs yeah, and the beans. The beans the it's one of my favourite breakfasts actually. Yeah, not yours because you don't like. I, egg. Don't, I have it without the egg and I put halloumi in it instead. Oh. Yeah, really um, highly recommend. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely get around that because yeah. I don't enjoy eggs. No. Like, I eat them because they're Swap there. it out for halloumi. I'm going to definitely changing. do that. Okay, so um, the next one is I was talking about sleep studies. Yes. Um, and I couldn't remember what AHI stood for. So AHI is the number. The index the of something. index, yeah. So what's used to show you how dead you are really when you sleep so (laughs) it means apnea hypernea index Mm. um and so it's the combined average number of apneas or hypernea hypernea's hypo why can't i read hypernea's hypernea how many apneas i think you're trying to say let's just say that apnea and hypernea hypopnea 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 (laughs) Hypopnea? Yeah, so how hypoxic and apneic you were? I guess. I guess. Um, that occur per hour of sleep. So according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, um, it's categorized into mild, which is 5 to 14 events per hour. Moderate is 15 to 30 events, which is where I sit. <laughs> and then severe is over 30. So. Yeah, so that's what the AHI means. And it basically means how many times you stop uh, breathing. So that's a little fun follow-up for you. Love that. Love um, it, love and it. then one more on my list, I'm pretty sure. Hang on. Oh, we didn't find it. You failed. I know the socks. I'm the still socks working lady. on the, the podiatrist sock lady. I'm so sorry. So yeah. sorry. But um, anyway. But quickly before we move on. Yes. Oh, there's one more. Oh, what? Um, the We found, we found the missing link to the a tattoo... Yes, person. that's what I was going to oh, say. Yes, yes. That's what I was going to say. But also we've got another one that I just remembered. Oh, yes. About you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, quickly, we're going to have to dive into this in further episodes, maybe even later today. But uh, we kind of said there's something going on with my thyroid. That was my health update. Yeah. 
But everyone was like, you'll just feel shitter and then we'll deal with it. So mm. Sean and I have been doing our own doctor Googling and my blood said it was either Hashimoto's or Graves. Yeah. But it didn't specify which one. Mm. So we looked at the symptoms and thought, oh, it's Graves. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out I've been on a roller coaster, which we'll go into over the coming weeks. But I went to the GP with some bloods. I've had more bloods and it is Hashimoto's. <laughs> it is not Graves. Which I'm quite surprised about. I have some gnarly wild antibodies floating around. Mm. I have um, been given a book by one of my best mates at work who it's got lots on um, hypothyroidism. So I'm learning a lot about how I can manage that in day-to-day life, but probably will end up on, well, will end up on thyroxin at some point. Mm. Um, not sure, depending on what these bloods show that I just had yesterday. And yeah, I just didn't pick it because... We didn't. I'm not overweight, which is a big thing. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm lethargic and tired, but nah. I, I just thought that was everything else I've got wrong with me. Yeah, exactly. It's hard so, to tell. Yeah. Why is, ha, is um, Hashimoto's the one that you get the goiter? Yes, you can yeah. get that. So for those that don't know, a goiter is basically you look like um, a bullfrog. Is it the bullfrogs? Yeah, yeah. Or a gibbon when they have that like ball <laughs> That's the only way I can explain it. It's like you get a ball under your chin, like in your neck, and it's basically from – I thought it was overactive thyroid. I don't know, babe. It's just not thyroid disease. I just remember learning about it in um, nursing school. school. I was like goiter because I remember that was an exam question. Yeah, and it's a strange word. Yeah, it's like goiter. Um, And it was an interesting – Oh, well, that'll be next week's week's follow-up for you. (laughs) a fun fact in a fun fact follow-up segment – but, okay, so we're going to talk about your Hashimoto's at another point yes. in the podcast, yes. whether it be today or further down the track. But bringing it back round to finish off our little fun fact uh, fun fact segment, I had my tattoo. Yes, you did. I've had my tattoo done. I hope everyone has seen the Insta post because it was yes. fabulous. It was such an enjoyable experience. Um, can confirm that. Once you pop, you probably won't stop. Definitely want to do it again. Did not hurt at all. Don't know if that's some form of like messed up pain threshold or what the go is, but it literally just felt like the vibrations is all I felt really. But I wasn't getting like shading done or anything like that. It was just fine line. Like it was literally mm. one. Um, but yeah, it was fine. No pain. The The only pain I felt was probably at night, later that night. Like it was a bit sore, like sensitive. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's been fine. No drama llamas. But anyway, the real fun fact about that is um, when we were talking about last week about the mystery dad. Yes. The mystery dad that had told the person at the... No, wait, let me get this right. The mystery dad who told their daughter to listen. No, no. The mystery dad who told the dad of the daughter at the shop oh, yeah. to listen. But it wasn't a mystery dad. But it wasn't a mystery dad. It was my mystery mom. It was Mama Swanson. So um, the lady at the shop, um, who was actually the one who was messaging me, was waiting on the sofa with me for one of her clients because she's a tattoo artist there. And she was like, um, are you Sean? I was like, yes, I am. I was like, oh, my God, not again. 
getting noticed. <laughs> I'm, so um, I'm so famous. Twice in one week. Stop it. Um, no, she's like, oh, I was the one who you were talking to. I was like, I was hoping someone around here was the person I was talking to. I was like, did you ever find out who told your dad about the podcast? She was like, yeah, I did. I had to ask him. It was bothering me. Um, and it turned out he is your mum's patient. So I had talked about it in one of the appointments. Um, and yeah, so Mama Swanson just powering through the marketing for us and just getting us some listeners through our stunning. patient clientele. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. So yeah, I messaged Jess about it and your mum was with you. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a great little story is. to present. So Fabulous. it wasn't the dads, it was in fact... Your mother. Me mum. Yeah, mum. All right. Your mum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hop in to this week. Yeah, but just quickly before yeah. we go, before we leave. Happy International Nurses Day. Oh, yes. Happy International Nurses Day to you, my yes. girl. Me and my mum were just saying we always seem to hang out on International Nurses Day. Really? I know. How fitting. That's fun. I know. I got a really nice cookie at the conference I went to today. That's cute. But it was full cookie. of gluten and that's probably... Yeah, you can't I have it. Eaten it. Yeah, no. that's great. They're not very friendly with that kind of stuff, are they? No. Well, I celebrated nursing, International Nurses Day, by finishing night shift this morning and feeling like a bag of dicks Woo! right now. So that's great. Yes. Slept three hours and then I went birthday shopping with mum because she wanted to buy me a coat for winter. And it looks beautiful. Which I found, which was yep. fabulous. And now we're recording. Yes. And uh, we're gonna get grilled. your favourite nurses are going to chat to you about some things and then we're going to celebrate with a little burgie at little home. burgie. But what are we going to be talking about today, Jessica? Well, this week we've had lots of questions um, and people wanting to share their experience, asking us to share our experience with contraception, mm. being on the pill or whatever you're on, coming off that, what it might look like, what it might feel like and how can you improve other things so that coming off isn't such a rebound mm. wild ride, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we do acknowledge that we aren't nutritionists, naturopaths, mm-hmm. any of those things. But what we will be talking about is our own personal experience, my conversations with friends in that field. Yep. Um, and I have also, believe it or not, been a much better co-host this week. <laughs> oh, literally, guys, you should see me right now. I'm slouched back in the sofa and I'm just... But getting ready to be taken on a ride because Jessica has been busy, busy little bee. I have. And has been researching and reading and writing all these notes. Yep. I've, and I'm just going to listen and learn today with you all. I've been speaking to people. I have read two books. I know one of them I did recommend way back for the OG mm. listeners in season one, um, the uh, period repair manual. I remember you talking about that, yeah. Yep. So I have reread that for you all. Yeah, and girl. another book. Um, called It Starts With The Egg. So all about um, optimising hormones and women's health and all of the things. Yep. Um, And that was a book actually about my thyroid and how that affects women's health. Oh, yeah, sure. Your your lady bits. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have been busy reading. So I'm going to do my best to summarise a few key facts after we talk about our experiences and then Mm -hmm. I'll follow it up with a few posts and there may be some more. If you enjoy, if there's other areas you would like us to cover, we will make this a little mini series like yeah. we did with our mental health one. Yeah. So that is the plan. Like anyway. little fertility yes. mini series. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I, big news, I have come off the pill. Yeah, you I did. I have. Um, I cannot tell you how anxious 
I was to make that decision. Mm. I think when you've been on something for so long, the fear of the unknown or what you might do feel like, I was like, what Mm. will my mental health be like? Will I feel settled in myself? Will Mm. I be like, you know, there's weird things. I've read stories about people like, oh, I'm no longer attracted to my partner and their Mm. pheromones. And because like your hormones change, I was like, what's my mental health going to do? And then obviously the icing on the cake was what, in the world is my endo going to do? Well, yeah, What is my pain going to do? Yeah. So that was a massive, massive thing. And I saw a nutritionist and a naturopath end of last year. I'm talking maybe November. And they were like, do it now. Come off. Mm. And my Chinese acupuncturist, she was like, come come off it now, Jess. But I just, I honestly, please never rush into doing that because people tell you it's the right thing to do for you. Like make sure you do that when you feel it's okay. Yeah. Um, and I was certainly not going to do it before we went on our holiday. Yeah, that was a big thing for you. Yeah, like I didn't want to throw any other potential contributing factors to me not being feeling like myself on, yeah. a, on a holiday. And enjoying yourself yeah. also. And so I chose to wait. Mm. Um, and in my head I told myself end of March, April that that's when I would do it because all the weddings we had Mm. and the fun things were over, I guess. And I was back into the grind. So I told myself that. So I was like, you know what? When it came to that, I was so nervous. Mm. And I so was like, I just wanted to open another pill packet because there was one there. Yeah. But I got to the end of one and I was like, it's a good time to stop. I'm at the end of a packet. Yeah. Like just stop. And it was a Saturday and I was like, look, We'll just stop. And, you know, when you stop the pill, for those who've never been on it um, or don't know anyone who's been on it, when you stop the pill or go onto the sugar tablets, you have a what we call a withdrawal bleed. Growing up, I always naively thought it was a period, mm. but it's not a period. Um, it is just a it's withdrawal not? bleed. No, nah, it's just a hormone withdrawal bleed. You don't actually ovulate before that, so it's not actually a proper ovulation then bleed. It's just a withdrawal bleed, which is often why they are so much lighter than a proper period. Wow. Yeah. So I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. So I, but even when I have withdrawal bleeds, I'm often in a world of pain. Mm. So I thought, well, it's good timing because I've got some days off for this withdrawal bleed. And then yep. once I get through that, then I guess I just let my body do its thing. Mm. Um, so I'm, yeah, I made that decision end of March, start of April, and I've been off it since then. I like, I've been very open and talking to my girlfriends about it because lots of people have obviously done the same thing mm. um, or have decided that the pill is not for them and have gone on to other things. Yeah. Um, but everyone I spoke to said, oh, Jess, you know, it'll take a couple of months, but you are just going to feel like this fog has been lifted from you. Yeah. And that is what everyone says. Like this fog's going to be lifted from your eyes. You can see clearly. You can think clearly. Yeah. And I was just waiting for this hit and I think – that hasn't happened for me. Mm. And I don't know if that will, or maybe I just didn't have the effects that some people get yeah. of the pill. And maybe I wasn't that foggy it. or, yeah. you know, maybe I wasn't that bad. But or it's caused by something else. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I think I've been like waiting around in anticipation for how I would feel. Yeah. And that's a really weird thing because when you've been on the pill literally since I was 18, mm. I was like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, no, you know, when are you going to ovulate? And you might get ovulation pain. I'm like, what is that? I've yeah. never I've never been off that. I wouldn't I've, recommend it. It's not yeah. fun. Well, I've, yeah, look, I've <laughs> learned now. But it was, it, yeah, it was a wild, wild ride. So I've made that decision. I have come off mm. the pill. I have had one bleed since. 
and I am just on that roller coaster. I'm learning yeah. a lot about hormones, about cycles. I guess I've never ovulated. Yeah. Because you don't when you're on the pill. Yeah. Um, it's and you've like, never really had like a normal. No. I say normal. And, and, and I didn't like have a regular commas. period before even going yeah. on to the pill. So weird. Anyway, I am learning all of the things and everyone tells you about ovulation. Everyone tells you about how you'll feel coming off the pill. But when you've never been through it, you just every day is a wild journey. You're like, yeah. how am I going to feel? So like my symptoms, I think just talking about my experience coming off the pill, I've had a lot of hormonal headaches, mm. really frontal, like in between the bridge of my nose Ooh, and behind yeah. my eyes. Yeah. Um, and a couple of times in my temples, that's where I'm really feeling these yeah. hormonal headaches. Um, lots of uh, like bloating. Mm-hmm. But then also in saying that, I'm having a lot of weight loss. Yeah. So I have lost since coming off the pill, I think three kilos now, Mm. which I mean, it's not a lot, but for me, who's pretty like stagnant, it was quite a bit. And I'm definitely noticing it in around my waist with like jeans and things like that. Nowhere Mm -hmm. else really. But I have learned that coming, I always, I know that some people put weight on when they start contraception because of Mm -hmm. the hormone change, but I didn't think you'd lose weight coming off, but Mm -hmm. apparently a lot of people lose weight coming right. off, but it's not actually weight. It's fluid. So oh. you're just, uh, you've got, you hold so much fluid because your progesterone levels are higher. Right. So as your progesterone levels are higher, because uh, you take progesterone obviously in the pill all the time to stop you from ovulating, to stop mm-hmm. you from getting pregnant. But mm-hmm. if you come off that and your progesterone you, with your natural cycle drops, mm. you drop that fluid that you retain. So mm. I, my number one symptom since coming off the pill is I am like a goddamn camel and I just piss all the time, <laughs> all the actual time. You peed a lot before. I peed a lot before when I was flaring, but mm. this is constant. I'm talking three <laughs> times a night. I'm talking 10 wow. million liters. I'm not even drinking much water Yeah. to the point where I'm like, am I diabetic? Like I'm not actually sure because I am just... Peeing. I swear to God, if you end up being diabetic, no, well, on top I just of had my fasting else, sugar done yesterday, so I'll let you know. I just can't. I, I, I know. Can, I could not deal with you no. being a type one diabetic. As well, I would quit. I know. I know. I really <laughs> need to stop working on the content. Yes, yeah, we've but, said that from the beginning. I know, but I've just literally peed my life out since coming off the pill, and yep. it is it is something else. It is the wildest ride. So. I'm summarizing my symptoms. The frontal headaches. Yes. Peeing a lot. Yes. Little pimps on my face. Not, I was nervous about like full blown acne, mm-hmm. but I just have a lot of pussy tiny little ones. Yeah. And I, I love to pop them. I love yeah. to pop them. I have we a pimple a pop. popper. Mm. Oh my God. I, if you have not got it, I, I've never thought you needed a pimple popper because I've got nails. I'm like, why would you need that? Yeah. The $4 Kmart pimple popper is my recommendation for the week, everybody. <laughs> it's like a little flat little circle thing and you press it on a blackhead and it comes out like a little worm. Mm. And that's what me and old mate do after a shower. Like if he's like, I'm like, oh, let me look at your back. And I just go to town. His skin is perfect, so there's probably like two pimples. But, oh, we have so much fun with this pimple popper. Anyway, I've got lots of them. And the other thing is, holy bazoongas, I am hairy. Hairy. Hairy, not on my head. So I think I spoke about last week, but I'm losing a lot of hair on my head, which is apparently common. 
but gaining so much hair elsewhere. Mm. Like I had to shave my legs today and I normally go like two weeks before even looking at my legs. Wow. And my pits, I'm shaving, I reckon, every six days. It used to be every 10. Wow. And I'm just hairy all over and I need IPL on my coochie because it's all come back. Yep. So if that's happened in this short wee period, God help me, I'm going to start looking like a gorilla soon. <laughs> like it is an actual time. Yep. But anyway, so that's that's been me coming There's one off. more that you had, doll. Well, what was that? Your reflux. Holy shit. Holy I forgotten about sh- that. Holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. I had three days of the worst reflux. So back in the day with like my parasites, if we go back to Paris episode two, oh, season my one. Daz and Baz. Daz and Baz. I was a refluxy mess. I actually had the worst reflux and heartburn ever. Like I've actually had, I think one or two ED presentations because I, I couldn't even breathe. The burning was so bad. It was like, oh. well, this was years ago. I'm talking five, six, seven, eight plus Baz and years Daz ago. Era. Baz and Daz era. My dad has it really, really bad. So mm. they thought like maybe it's congenital. When they did um, my first uh, endoscopy and colonoscopy, it was like a little bit like red and eroded. And so I was started on a meprazole mm. way back then. Mm. And then I ended up on 80 milligrams, which is like you're not meant to be on that for a long period of time. There's <laughs> lots of side effects to that. Yeah. Um, they lo- lo- do it for like mucositis and things like that for people going through um, mm. cancer treatment. Anyway, I did that for a little bit and mm. I, my reflux actually got to a point where it was really manageable. An occasional myelanta and your gal's fine. Yeah. Anyway, holy shit. I had to sit upright all night. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was having a heart attack. Fuck. And the worst part was I felt like, you know, when you swallow a tablet the wrong way and it gets stuck in your throat. Oh, I hate that. And I was like, okay, obviously being an ICU nurse, clearly I had throat cancer and I was dying. Naturally. So that's definitely where my head went. Mm-hmm. But I was like Googling, why does it feel like I'm swallowing around a tablet? Mm-hmm. And it was like, severe reflux feels like a tablet is stuck in your throat and I was like holy shit and I like I was at work trying to talk and I was like taking my breath Mm. anyway it was three days of hell I just don't do this don't recommend this dad's still on a meprazole might have taken some of his don't do that everybody don't do that but it helped um and then I just like took um triple action gaviscon taking four tablets at a time because it was cooked anyway rung one of my best friends poppy and I said did you get this coming off? Because she's probably like two months ahead of me in yeah. like coming off the pill journey. And she was like, yeah, remember I called you because I thought I was having a heart attack because I couldn't breathe and I had to have all this Gaviscon. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. So then I like Googled, can you get reflux coming off the pill? And so many people, it's like not a documented thing, but so many people have written on pages being like, I've had the worst reflux. I wonder why that is. I have no idea. And it was just three days of hell when I was fine. Someone needs to do a PhD on that. I know. Anyway, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, you're I welcome. blocked that. Um, That's yeah. what trauma does. Yeah. <laughs> fucking breathe or talk at work for three days. Anyway. I bet your patients were very happy Yeah, about probably. That. No, they love me. Um. Anyway, so that. That has been my symptoms coming yeah. off so far. And we're, yeah, next week will be eight weeks mm. in being off a la pill, I think. Eight or nine weeks or something. Not yeah. many. Not many. Not many, if any. Um, <laughs> anyway, what are you on? How you Were you on the pill? 
No. No. So I can't actually go on the pill. Well, I know that now. Um, yeah, so I can't go on the pill because I'm pretty sure warfarin doesn't allow you. We should have asked your mum before she left. She'd know this. Um, Another fun fact. Well, no, you're welcome. No, damn it. So I'm pretty sure when I went on warfarin, um, you, I couldn't go on to um, the combined pill. This is what, uh, and don't forget, like when I went on to warfarin, I was like 16. We were young, yeah. Baby, baby Sean. And so baby Sean received baby Sean language. Mm-hmm. You see, can you hear shaky shake coming in the background? Yeah, here he comes. Um, here he comes. Twinkle does. Um, no joke, everybody. As soon as we plugged in the headphones, he got one of his fucking antlers out. <laughs> And he put it, literally put it at my foot. I was like, you fucker. Anyway, um, so when I was being explained about contraceptive and warfarin and my mechanical valve and the need to never accidentally fall pregnant, the natural response was to be put onto um, a, what are they called? Contraceptive. (laughs) I was no. like, oh, uh, anti-population. No, nope. anti-population. <laughs> I was like, what the shit? Anti-procreation. Is the word? Anti-procreation meds. Anyway, contraceptive. Um, it was told to me as the mini pill. Mm. So, as far as my understanding goes, it's only one hormone. Now, you've got a 50-50 chance of getting it right, whether it's estrogen it's, it's or not, progesterone. It's progesterone, dog. Okay. So, I can't take one with estrogen in yes. for warfarin. Yes. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of clotting? Yes. Sure. Yes. We'll go with that. It is. Um, so, I was on the mini pill for a little while. After the mini pill, I went on to the implant. Can I tell you a um, fun fact about the mini pill? I'd love a fun fact. So... If you use a progesterone-only mini pill, which is what yeah. you're saying, yeah. you're on, that, that's what it's called, um, it's possible to get pregnant days or weeks after you quit because the mini pill doesn't consistently stop ovulation the way that estrogen does. Okay. So instead, it just thins the lining of your uterus. And so the lining starts to thicken again as soon as you stop taking the mini pill, making it more possible for you to get pregnant way quicker. Good to know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wow, I thought that was a really yeah. interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know why they put me on it then. It's pretty pointless. Yeah. Because what if you forget? Well, well that's the thing, that's right? Because you have to take it at the exact same time yeah. every day. Yeah. And as a 16-year-old that was barely taking her meds at the best of times, taking it at a specific time mm. each day, you got to be having a laugh. Having a laugh. Anyway, so I stopped taking that and I went on to the implant, um, which ruined my life. So for those of you that don't know, the implant or the implanon, as they're called, is a little bar that gets inserted into your arm and you can feel it. It's pretty gross, if I'm honest. Um, when you've got it in and it's healed, you can you can like palpate or touch where the bar is and it like moves around um, and it releases progesterone over a certain amount of time. Um, into your body constantly so you don't have to take a tablet do you know do you know how progesterone works to stop you from getting pregnant i have no idea okay so obviously it stops the release of the egg by the ovary so it stops ovulation okay but it also makes your fanny juice your discharge inhospitable i mean yes (laughs) it makes it it makes it one star sticky yeah and so the opening of the uterus it's really sticky thick and sticky up there so little spermies can't get through yeah they get stuck 
because that's how my GP told me about the Implanon was yeah, that right. it makes it in inhabitable yeah, or, right. or inhospitable. Can't remember the phrase that he we used. We don't want you here, doll. Yeah, get out. Yeah, go you're out. not you're not welcome here. Um, but he didn't tell me about the ovulation thing. Mm, there you go. But yeah, so that was there. But my golly, did that ruin my life for the 12 months that it was in for. So with the Implanon, what they tell you is it's like a 30% chance that you'll have no periods. 30% chance that you'll just have regular periods but reduced bleeding. Or 30% chance that you'll just constantly bleed. Now I'm going to give you one guess as to which third I was. <laughs> bleedy spleedy. Oh my goodness. I bled, no joke, the whole time I was on it. So many people I know that's happened to. So many people. And I was on fucking warfarin. So you can imagine just the just need anemic a unit of red blood cells every week. Man, my God. And the impact on my mental health during that time was an absolute joke. It's awful. I was so down, so emotional, so depressed. Like as a person that already has depression and anxiety, everything was elevated. I was crying all the time. Yep. I was just miserable, like heavy, heavy fog. And that conversation about where you were saying, once you come off the pill, this fog is lifted. Immediately, I tell you in less than 24 hours after, after getting that. that fucker out of my arm, it was like someone had flicked a switch in my brain. That's insane. Well, that's like um, I was on, I was on one called Noramin or Brevinor. This was the pill that I'm, I've just come off now. But I was until I was 22, 22 or twenty three, maybe twenty two. I was on uh, a pill called Levlin, which mm -hmm. is the one most people have started on. It's like the basic, cheap, off the shelf, relatively safe, yeah, um, combined pill, and. I got to the point where I'd been on that from 18 to 22, 23. Mm. And all of a sudden I was flat. I was depressed. I Nothing had changed in my life. Mm. Uh, everything was stable around me. I said, what am I putting into myself? Mm. And I made the decision to swap. Mm. And in that time I had, you know, like a, a one cycle break before swapping onto the other one. Yep. And it was instant. It just complete fog, boom, gone. Wow. And I felt so much better. Yeah. And that's what I was maybe hoping for. for yeah. But then I was like, maybe I actually wasn't I, that flat. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you just want to feel euphoric, doll, and yeah. that's not going to happen for you. <laughs> yeah, baby. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, so um, then it was the implant, and then now I use the Marina. So it's a non-hormonal IUD. So it's a – what does IUD stand for again? Interuterine device. Interuterine device. So it sits in your uterus. Um, so it's in like a little T shape and it sits in your uterus and it releases um, progesterone. Progest progestin. Not progesterone. But that that is just a synthetic version of synthetic, that hormone. Synthetic, that's what it is. I'm like, it's not progesterone. No, it's you but you can't make that hormone. So all of all all drugs you take, oh, contraception, oh, oh. they're all synthetic. <laughs> you can't actually give someone progesterone. There's many different types of synthetic versions of the the, the human hormones. Right. Okay. Yeah, sure. Stunning. Um. So yeah. So that's in there. I've got. I'm on my second round. So they last for five years. Yes. Look 
Don't recommend getting it put in. No. No, I recommend getting it put in under a GA. <laughs> under a full-blown anesthetic. So many of my friends have had oh, horror stories. Horror. There is no way. And if if my fellow friends out there have vaginismus, don't even think about it. Yeah. Don't do something so silly. It was honestly my first time, my first time, um, was by a OBGYN at King Edward Memorial Hospital. It was during a follow-up from a Bartholin cyst. Stunning. We'll talk about that another I've time. I've had two of them. Same. Four of them. Four? Or, two, or two on each side. I got them all cut out. Yeah. So I got, I had recurring ones on yeah. one side, the size of like big golf, golf balls. Golf balls. Yeah, same. Internal though. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. had this conversation. Have we? Yes. Oh, Deja vu. God. Memory's we've, gone. Sorry, doll. We've definitely had this conversation okay. a few well, times. Yeah. So um, I was there for a follow up from that and um, they were like, what contraceptive are you on? I was like, oh, I've just gotten my Implanon out uh, and I don't know which one to go on next. Um, so it's like, like a show bag. Pick one. <laughs> yeah, pick one. Which one would you like? But because of my warfarin, I'm pretty limited in what I can get. Um, so she was like, oh, do you want to um, go on the marina? Explain to me how it is, what it goes, blah, blah, blah. She was like, yep, no worries. We've got one in the back. Um, I'll just spray your cervix with some um, numbing. I'll go see another patient and then I'll come back and we'll put it in. I was like, yeah, sweet, no worries. Um, so, you know, put the whole speculum in. We love that little duck beak thingy. And then the packet for the marina is quite terrifying. Like, because it comes already in the applicator. So the Ready applicator shit on up there. looks like a fucking arm yeah. in a box. It's like an archery and you're like, thing. How is that going in me? So anyway, she, um, and it's not comfy because they have to like pinch and open the cervix. And what, the reason that they tend to prefer to put the marina in women who have had a vaginal birth. It's because it's open, doll. It's a little bit more open. Whereas people who haven't, it's real closed. Um, so they have to pinch it and open it. And then they shoot the thing in and then they it opens up and they pull it out. And then there's two metal strings. Metal strings, you heard that correct. Metal strings that dangle out from your cervix. Can you see them? Can you uh, feel them? Yeah, you can feel them. Oh. Yeah, so they're like spiky at first, but then your um, vaginal uh, discharge and membrane softens the wires. Oh. So then they become like really hard strings. And after each period, you're supposed to do an internal exam of your cell. Look at me imagining that I'm doing one with my fingers internal exam to check that both of the strings are still there because where the, do they go the IUD can move and implant oh, itself yeah, yeah, into I've the uterus this. lining so if you have a very heavy, heavy period, period just rocks around in there yeah it can dislodge it or completely dislodge it from the and this is obviously for a, only a small percentage yeah, of people yeah, yeah. but it can actually come out um, so you're supposed to check and the wires can then also go up there and then they're like spiking into your ural wall. So that's why when I was having my right-sided so, pain, I was hoping that it was the IUD embedding into the Not endometriosis. Yeah. I'm lucky. <laughs> but so can you, so you can feel them. So if you yeah. can, um, this is really ignorant of me who is very knowledgeable about these things, but marinas I have no idea about. Mm. Can you put a tampon in there as well? Yeah. Just shove it all in there. Yeah. 
But here's here's the kicker. You know when you put a tampon in and you're on the drier side? See, I don't wear tampons, so I don't okay. know. Okay. I'm a light girl that wears a period undie these days. Yeah. P.S. I've just gone to sustainable period undies. So you're proud welcome. of you. Thank you. So for those that are listening that know, when you put a tampon in and you're a little bit on the dry, the dry side, side yeah. when you pull it out, it's like you're pulling your soul out through your vagina. Like it's it's not recommended. It's really not a fun idea. You can feel it at the back of your teeth. Like when you, it's like. Stop. It's awful. My fanny spasming yeah. just listening to this. <laughs> so when you have a tampon in there, at least from my experience, and it's dry, sometimes you can feel it tug on the cord. The cord. Ooh. And then you feel and then it hurts your uterus. Ooh. Because also as well, you're a bit sore because you're on your period anyway. So everything's a little bit sensitive. Tendy. So when it moves, it, it kind of like it makes it a bit spasmy. And can you feel that if you have sex? The sticks? Uh, when they're first put in oh my god this is awful. they can because they're spiky but um afterwards not so much but this is getting into tmi but in certain positions i get sore because um it gets knocked it. about oh so yeah but it, it's like it's something inside you right it's something inside you. So that's why... Vagina I, and vulva owners go through a lot. A lot. An awful lot. An awful lot. And that's why I want to get my tubes tied so I can just get stuff out of my body. Yeah. I feel that in your soul. <sighs> I know. That's a bigger problem, sis. Oh, I know. That's a big hurdle we will try and cross. Anyway. Anyway, so that that's our little contraception history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, other things I've I've noticed this week, my boobs are shrinking. What? And apparently, that's quite normal coming Is off the it? Oh, I know. Sad. Oh yeah. And Itty I said bitty. to mum, so like, oh, this is so so bad. I've got the same strapless bra that I've had since I was fifteen. I'm now <laughs> almost thirty. But it was one of those like, good bra. One of the high you know, quality. Yeah, you know, one of those like bra parties that your mum's friends yeah, have, yeah. and I went along. Like a Tupperware and party. And I was like, I need a strapless one for dancing. Anyway, it's still going strong, <laughs> but I'm on the tightest, um, you know, around the yeah, the, around the, the bus, bit, yeah. And I couldn't even feel the little cup. So I really noticed that today. That was another Aww. thing. But um, you're meant to increase your libido. Your libido is meant to increase, apparently. 15%, according to study, 15% of people have an increased libido after coming off mm. the pill. How's that going for you? Um, it's not yet? Not really. It's waiting with the fog? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, I'm not really. I bet old mate's fucking hoping for he that. He's hoping He's and really hoping that you're part of that 15%. any god that there is, yes. Yep. I also don't see him anyway, so yeah. like it would be hard. <laughs> it would be a shame to really yeah to be that in that fifteen yeah, percent and right have now. nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah literally. So, but anyway, um, but going back to the ovulation thing, just mm. quickly, like because obviously you don't ovulate if you are on the um, pill that I, like that people are on. Yeah. Um, and so I'm learning a lot about ovulation, and so I there's this I did experience this weird pain. Mm-hmm. that I've now learnt was likely ovulation pain. Stunning. And it is like, I don't know if this is what normal people with normal experiences have. Sure, explain it and I'll tell you. But I felt this heavy, heavy pain mm. and it was like a bowling ball was sitting deep in my pelvis a little bit over to one side. 
just slightly rocked. The bowling ball was just rocked a little bit to one side. That's how it felt. Interesting. And it felt heavy. Like it felt like I had, I mean, I don't know, maybe like a number seven bowling ball. Probably not too heavy. Maybe not like a 10 or an 11. Maybe like a seven <laughs> ball uh. on the weight scale just sitting in there for a few days. Like, let me think about how I feel when I ovulate. But a lot of people have stabbing, or mine stabbing, stabbing pain on the ones like shooting pain. Screwdriver. Yes, <sighs> but that's my endo pain, so yeah. I just don't know. Anyway, another thing with ovulation is you're meant to have loose, clear, watery discharge, way more frequent and mm. increasing consistency and amount. You know. Yeah. And we were talking about we were this talking before about this. we were recording. Yeah. yeah. But I've I didn't notice that. See, when you when you were talking about that, I I don't think my discharge is normal either, because when I ovulate, but I now, get like but, the mucus. But hang on, but you're on a progesterone thing, so are you ovulating? Yes. Hmm. I don't I don't know enough about the marina, but maybe maybe that is still because it's still giving off something. Maybe it's not like a full the full shabam. Because you still got some fake hormone going on in there. Well, yeah. So when I went for my like endo appointment, yeah, she said that I would still need. Yeah, there's nothing makes sense because she said I'd still need the marina to do something. <laughs> cool. That was very helpful. <laughs> no, maybe it was for ovulation or to help with the ovulation pain. So I think so, so it must be reduce it to some extent. Be, yeah. And so but if you're off everything you're meant to be like quite loosey goosey, free flowing fanny like juice. That, Neither. And anyway, so I definitely didn't get that or notice that, mm. but I did have that pain. Mm. So now I've just bought because I want to learn my body. I want to know it. I mm. want to get to know it. Literally inside out. In and out. So I have now bought ovulation sticks because lots of my friends are doing it and I'm getting around yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to pee on an ovulation stick to work out if I'm actually ovulating. Yeah. But to work out where my ovulation dates are, I have gone and got the Flow app, mm-hmm. which is – it's quite expensive. I can't remember. Maybe like 60 or 70 Australian dollars I think I paid for it. Mm-hmm. But I am logging all of my symptoms, all everything. So I know what the ride's been like coming off the pill. It can say like, you know, for these many days you had a headache, these many days you had bloating, cramping, lots of um, Mm. gastro symptoms still for me, which is like an ongoing thing. But you log it all. And Mm. then you can actually tell – it gives you a spot to say, did you do an ovulation test today? Are you ovulating? And what is your core body temperature? Because when you ovulate, the woman's core body temperature is higher so huh. you're meant to do your temperature first thing in the morning at that period of time. And so, I would, you know, if you're normally in the high 36s, you'd be in the low 37s Celsius, oh. everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're so, in Australia. Yeah. So you that's how they said to learn your body is to do your temperature and pee on oh. stick. But you run hot. I know. But I've got to run hotter than my baseline. Oh, okay. Sure, 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 yes. sure, sure. Okay. Do you know what? Listening to this conversation, I know very little about my reproductive system. And how bad is that? Hey, I know like, very and, little. And so many people are the same. And I have stage four endo. I've had three laps. I've mm. been on the pill. I still didn't know all of these things. I don't know anything about like what the hormones are, do. Like I kind of know, but I don't really understand it. Yeah. And then like like when we were just looking at what the marina has, 
like when we were looking looking it up yeah i had no idea that what that was hormone it was on. i was like it's in there it does a job whatever yeah, whatever move on yeah i know well so uneducated it is and like i always go off what everyone else's experience is yeah. and i'm like i just take it as the he said she said but like there is actually so much science mm. behind all of this and yeah. like i always thought you know and some of it's probably like you know your parents, your grandparents, all that, talking about coming off the pill and everyone's like, oh, it will probably take six months for you to get your period back mm. and six months before you can um, ovulate. And then I, I heard a, however many – someone told me however many years you've been on the pill yeah. is however many months it takes to reestablish a period. Mm-hmm. So for the last – However many years I've been like, holy fuck me, it's going to take me 10 months to get a period. Do you know what that equation equation sounds like when you try and work out how young a person can be that is acceptable for you to date? Yeah, literally. Just pick a a number, any number. Your age times two two minus minus seven or something. something. Yeah. Or whatever it is. That's not because that would have been a fetus if you're minus 12. (laughs) But yeah, like it, it is just absolutely wild. And when I read lots about coming off the pill, it says up to six months it can take for a period to come back. But most people ovulate and get a period back within two to three months, one to two to three months. That's wow. the most common. And a study did that, uh, that said 96% of pill users have their period back and normal within a year for Whoa. them, whether if they had a history of irregular, yeah. it might still be irregular. But and, and at least half of that 96% got pregnant within a six-month period. Wow. So I thought, like, there ain't no risk that I'm going to get pregnant anytime soon yeah. because, you know, that's what happens. It takes a while to establish things. But little did I know, it can happen a lot quicker. Yeah. So there you go. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. But anyway, now that we've spoken a little bit about our experience with yeah. all of those things. The roller coaster that is our lives. I'm going to do a big post about this so you can all reflect back onto it. But we're just going to talk a little bit about natural things that you can do to support your natural hormones and your natural cycle mm-hmm. um, so that the crash isn't so heavy that you're a bit more stable throughout your cycle so you don't feel the whopping pains and all of the things. Yep. So the number one thing, believe it or not, and I, we will link those books, um, but it's a gluten-free diet, <laughs> which for you, Gal, you, she's very lucky that she's been gluten-free for 15 years. But, yeah. um, and, and not I'm acknowledging here not all people, but yep. a lot of people. So – it's at least one in 10. Science is saying now at least one in 10 people, a bit like one in 10 have endo, at least one in 10 have um, gluten intolerance. Yeah. It's almost guaranteed that if you have the endo, you are gluten intolerant yep. now. So that's, hand that's in the hand. thing. They, they come together. They're besties. But I thought it was interesting for you. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Did you know that wheat, wheat itself, uh-huh. is a huge, huge contributing factor for premenstrual migraines? I did not. No. So when people get people get PMS, headaches and migraines, mm. one of the first things now they say to stop is gluten. Oh. How crazy is that? That is crazy. And, and so what it does, sad. it increases your inflammation and it in, it also interferes with your folate, which is a very very important pregnancy pre-pregnancy hormone. You're saying words at me and I don't know what any It's of a vitamin. Mean. Like your folate's part of your vitamin B pathway. I was thinking if follicle. You, I was like how the fuck If do you these have, have really low folate and fall pregnant, that's um how babies get spina bifida. Oh. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Carry on. Carry on. Um, anyway, a recent study in pretty recent, 2012, so not overly recent, but, you know, within these 10 years, we're going with the 10-year frame. Yeah, sure. 75% of women with endo had significantly less pain after cutting out gluten from their diet and – Oh, my God. How shit would your pain be if you eat gluten? Not one person in the study reported increased pain since stopping gluten. Okay. And 30% of them cancelled their lap, their laps because their pain was that much better Whoa. stopping the gluten that they cancelled their lap surgeries. Holy crap. So that was pretty interesting, I found. That's very interesting. Um, but yeah, gluten is disrupts all your hormone pathways, mm-hmm. more so in hypothyroidism. Yep. There's your gal. Endo, PCOS and diabetes. Oh, dear. So, gluten's really bad if you have those autoimmune <laughs> kind of pictures. Gluten's not fun for autoimmune. Yeah. yeah. I wonder why. Well, I've, I, I could go into it, but I'm just going to do a little hot minute because we don't have enough time. So, okay. I'll, I'll post some more stuff. But okay. if you want more, hit your gal up and I can send you all my info. All of the things. The second one, interestingly, is dairy. Again, mm. it's not it's not dairy as a whole. So it might just be a cow's milk intolerance for you. It might just be lactose. It may just be an A one process. It might be it might be any or of those A2. things. Yeah, A two. A two's quite um good. That's why A two milk. A two so milk. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so dairy is a bit the same. It can ha- if you stop dairy, you can reduce inflammation and pain. Mm-hmm. But the A one protein, the casein protein, casein. Yeah. Yeah. That stimulates your immune system to generate an inflammatory response. All your cytokines go off, right? Mm-hmm. And it reduces your production of your natural anti-inflammatories. Okay, sure, So sure, sure. that's you, – you're stopping your body from trying to help yourself. You're just yourself. not supposed to eat it. No. We're not cows. Yes, exactly. And also like a lactose intolerance also does a lot, causes a lot of gastro symptoms mm-hmm. for people. So – your endo belly might not actually be an endo flare. Like yeah, you might, might be lactose. Yeah, you might have all of the things. Mm-hmm. And according to lots of, um, you know, dietitians, nutritionists, apparently you've got to cut either whatever you decide to do. Mm-hmm. You might try to do both and reintroduce or one or whatever. Um, but you need to do it for at least eight weeks because that's how long it takes for your inflammatory response to re-kick itself. Whoa. So it's an eight-week thing before Minimum. it subsides. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. Also, fun fact, because you know I love a fun fact. I know you love a fun fact. Go on. So, did you know, this? I love this, if you suffered as a child mm. or as a teenager or whatever, mm. recurrent tonsillitis or ear infections. Pointing at you. You have an A1 casein sensitivity. What the fuck does that mean? So, you're like allergic to the A1, cow's milk protein. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So there's a study that's come out recently to say that if you had recurrent, recurrent tonsillitis and recurrent ear infections. Yeah. Interesting to note, I never had recurrent tonsillitis or ear infections until an adult. Interesting. Yeah. So from 24 to 27. Yeah. Oh, I think my ear infection was a bit before that, maybe 23. But in my 20s is when it came on for me. Wow. It might, I might have had it forever, but yeah. int- that I got tonsillitis and ear infections as a woman in my 20s. And then I got diagnosed with the cow's milk thing which not that ellie's listening she definitely is listening <laughs> uh, i'm might not be giving it up but i'm trying i'm really trying are you though a little bit 
Not I at have. All. I have. I've gone to dairy free chocolate. I have done that. But I um wow. I am still eating cheese. <laughs> and I've stopped I'm not eat coconut yogurt. The yes. only thing I'm doing is cheese. <laughs> it's cheese. Eat a bit of cheese. Cheese grommet. Anyway, so now that we've spoken about dairy and gluten and the big things, which everyone probably knows a lot about, but yep. whatever. I'm just gonna quickly tell you about a few little um supplements that may or may not help. Okay. And you... I learnt – no, I'm not fucking talking about turmeric. I might mention it, but I'm going to actually talk about <laughs> – not now. I'm going to talk about magnesium because okay. magnesium is so underrated. Yeah. So magnesium, it soothes and calms <laughs> your nervous system. Sorry, it, I was just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it aids with your sleep. It improves the function of your insulin mm-hmm. and your thyroid mm-hmm. hormones. It's an anti-inflammatory. It promotes healthy metabolism of estrogen. It is just like wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to know, if you just want to like maybe increase it in your diet before taking supplements or whatever, things like nuts, leafy greens, avocados, potatoes, bananas, dark chocolate, full of mag. So you're welcome. All of the mag. Did you also know? Oh, so of course I put facts in for you. Of course. Magnesium is effective in migraine prevention when taken at high doses and 50% of migraine sufferers, sufferers, 50% of migraine sufferers are def- deficient baseline in mag. Oh. So, so have you had your mag checked? No, I haven't had my bloods checked in a fucking decade. Well, there you go. Maybe I should. Just take a magnesium tablet before bed. People do that all the time. Old mate does it every night. Do you know what? This is the thing though also with warfarin, um, derailing the conversation real quick. No, you're right. I have been like too trained to not, don't to not take stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I know that it's a naturally producing element. Mm. I know that our body needs it, our body mm. uses it, whatever. But from the very beginning of me having warfarin, and it's taking a lot to untrain it, but also I don't want to fuck about with it because I had a stroke. So yeah, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's no bullshit. But it's like... <laughs> You don't want to bother someone also every time you think about taking something in my mind. I'm like, I want to take supplements, blah, blah, blah. But I have to get permission to do that. Can you speak to a chemist about those kind of things? Like natural things? Maybe. They probably love that chat. Probably. I should probably Or if anyone else out there has experience or like tell us what you've, you've found out. Because I think migraines and magnesium, there's a lot to it. Yeah, there's a there's, um, lot on it. There's a chick on TikTok and Instagram called the Migraine Nurse, and mm. she talks about magnesium. Yeah, a lot. amazing. And a lot of people who talk about insomnia and sleep. Yeah. Um, a- the specialists prefer you to take magnesium. And this is what I found super interesting: is that you, um, are mo- your body naturally produces more magnesium than melatonin. Yeah. And your body can absorb magnesium better than melatonin. And so you actually are better off taking magnesium to help you sleep rather than melatonin. Because you, when people take melatonin, they wake up foggy and whatever. Yeah, and if you're a shift worker, it's no point. Because if you're sleeping during the day, you increase your melatonin during the day. But then your natural melatonin kicks in at night. So Mm. then you're just tired and groggy and foggy the whole time. So magnesium for yeah. you gals. Did you also know, this is a wild fact for um, vagina holders, Yeah. that during menstruation, a lot of women lose up to 50% of their magnesium levels. Yep. So it's depleted by 50%. Holy shit. So 
there's a lot of study now out there saying that when you have your period, you should double your magnesium dose. Fuck. Hectic, hey. Hectic. Like, anyway, I could go into a lot about mag, but I thought they were the interesting key points. Yeah. Zinc is another one. So, um, I always think such a magical. Zinc is amazing, but old mate takes a ZMA tablet every night. Sure. So, it's zinc, magnesium, and Sometimes. I forgot what the A is. But anyway, yeah, Lava he's sw- you know what he's like. Health is wealth for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> he swears by his these body things. is a temple. His body is a temple. Um, I mean, you have to if you're going to run 42Ks when you've never run before. Oh my so God, I can't. Whatever. In two weeks' time. So, that's great. Is it two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Um, so zinc is an anti-inflammatory as well, and it also regulates your stress response, but zinc also is a wonderful thing because it nourishes your follicles, your ovarian follicles to promote healthy ovulation, which is pretty cool. That is cool. And it's, yeah, it's essential for the transport and synthesis, synthesis of all your hormones. Mm -hmm. And if you're deficient in zinc, Mm. you're more likely to have worse PMS symptoms. Wild. So, mag and zinc can really help rebound migraines and PMS mood. How crazy. It's just a little um, I know. supplement. Anyway, supplement? it can be supplement. supplement. It can be found in foods if you, again, don't want to take supplements yet, but just increase it in your diet. Things like red meat, uh, chicken, beans, nuts, oysters are really good. Dark <laughs> chocolate, again, eggs and lentils. There are some other ones. Mm. So, that's your zinc. Vitamin D is another huge one. Because everyone's short on that aren't everyone they? is short on that i used to take a lot of it um five times the recommended dose i was on yeah but don't you abs- so you don't absorb, absorb it, it yeah. yeah um but it's a regulator of your immune and hormone function and did you know that vitamin d regulates more than 200 genes in your body fuck Vitamin D is a busy, busy bee. Busy like, bee. so busy. What and an overachiever. I know. It's super essential for your um, healthy insulin sensitivity and uh-huh. for ovulation. Did you know that vitamin D receptors and vitamin D metabolizing enzymes are found in the ovaries and endometrium of women with or without endometriosis? Like it all looks going on in there. What do you mean by that? The, your vitamin D receptors, every it's happening in your in your womb. Oh, so there's like little there's the vitamin, lock and key. Yeah, it's happening in there. there. Receptors and your metabolizing enzymes are found in there. So the vitamin D needs to go down there. Yes, but then when we don't have vitamin D, so, there's nothing down there. So did you know that vitamin D can limit the disease progression of endometriosis? Oh, and a recent study shows a 39% reduction in the development of endo lesions, highlighting its effectiveness in tr- treating established lesions already. Holy shit. So if you take more vitamin D, you can reduce the size of your endo lesions. It just goes there and it, cause there's receptors, receptors down there. there. They're just, it goes straight there. Yeah. Whoa. I bloody know. Wow. And if you want the food with the highest dose of vitamin D, I'm pretty sure it's an egg yolk. Ugh. I hate them. But if you like them, good on you. Um, vitamin B, there's lots of Bs, like your B12s, your B6s. So just vitamin Bs in general. Mm-hmm. But vitamin B6, like it's essential for the synthesis of progesterone and it reduces, again, inflammation and helps with um, detoxifying estrogen. So super important. But vitamin B6 is a natural diuretic and relieves your histamine intolerance, which I find interesting because I was on B6 tablets. So I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe I was peeing more because yeah. of that. Who knows? So diuretic, it makes you wee, wee more. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, because you know that I love you 
and love you giving you a fun fact. Yeah. Vitamin B reduces the frequency of hormonal migraines by 50%. I don't it's have hormonal migraines. I know, but you have migraines and we're talking about <laughs> hormones. So, you know. Um, also, vitamin B helps to make new DNA. And it plays a really crucial role in detoxifying things, which we've spoken about. And folate is critical in preventing birth defects, which I've just spoken about. Yep, spina bifida. Such as spina bifida. Um, and it also restores ovulation and boosts your egg quality, which is super important. Okay. And if you want it naturally in your diet, things like fish, eggs, meat, salmon, spinach, broccoli, sunflower seeds, bananas. Again, all I've learned from this is potatoes, bananas and dark chocolate and spinach. Other, other ones. love a potato. Also, chickpeas and asparagus are pretty good too. I do love a chickpea. Why does asparagus make your pee smell? So that's a gene. Did you know? No. Yeah. So some people can smell asparagus wheat and some people cannot. A bit like rolling so, your tongue. So hang on. The gene is that you can smell it smell or the it. gene is that you create it? Again, that's a fun fact follow up, but I'm sure it's the smell. Interesting. Don't know. But yeah, it's a gene. Because I can definitely smell it. Yeah, there you go. Vitamin B6, don't you think? So I never thought I could smell it and I've been paying a lot of attention and have been eating quite a bit of asparagus. It smells like a burning hot pack, like a wheat hot pack coming out of the microwave. Maybe. I'd have to smell it. I'm going to put the poll up about that. Okay. Um, anyway, and vitamin B, especially vitamin B6, works really well when taken with um, magnesium. Oh, a little combo. So, yeah, you absorb it better. And then um, there's a few other ones like super interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about curcumin just because you hate turmeric so much, because it has been found actually at high levels to reduce the size and activity of endo lesions. What's this for? Turmeric. Oh, turmeric. I thought you were saying I'm gonna talk about curcumin, curcumin because turmeric. you don't like turmeric. No, it's the same. It's an active thing in turmeric. Oh, curcumin. okay. Don't worry then. Um, it down-regulates the pro-inflammatory um, transcription factor, ex- accelerates healthy cell death. I understood nothing of what you said just okay, then. Okay, so it reduces your inflammation and it helps because you know how your cells, they have a lifespan yeah. and then they die and yes. then you get new ones. Yes. So it really helps accelerate the healthy cell death, mm-hmm. the, um, what is that, apoptosis? Apoptosis. You're telling the story. I think that's the word. Sure. I'm sounding hell smart this week. You are. That's what I'm like. I'm dumb over the here. Apoptosis in the lesions. So cell death in the lesions, mm-hmm. right? Um, it also suppresses the local production of estrogen in the endo lesions okay, so that yep, they don't yep, yep. continue to grow. Because yep. um, that is why if you've got endo, you go on to a combined pill with more progesterone because estrogen is the thing that makes it. And oh, grow so when quicker. you have high levels of yeah, estrogen, it yeah. makes it grow more. Yeah. So maybe that's why my endo is not that bad. Maybe. Because I've just been on progesterone forever and a day. But Dole, I've been on it for 10 years and mine went from stage one to stage four. So. Yeah, but you've also had an estrogen in your pill. Yeah, true. Um, so curcumin suppresses that, right? Suppresses okay. the estrogen there. And it's been found to have anti-inflammatory, anti-metastatic, so reduced number of cancer cells. It's been found now. Pretty cool. Antioxidant, helps with wound healing, helps with people with hypoglycemia, believe it or not. Um, What does hypoglycemia mean? Low blood sugar, also antimicrobial, so like works almost like an antibiotic, not as effective, Mm -hmm. but does help with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And... And helps also with anti-nausea and can be found, obviously it's turmeric, but can be found in things like ginger, lots of curries, like because um, especially Indian curries use lots mm. of turmeric and ginger. Um, your 
turmeric rice, i.e. yellow rices, yep. things like that. And black pepper. I love this. Black pepper. There is a substance in black pepper yeah. itself, right? Yeah. And it can increase the bioavailability, so how well it's used in the body of turmeric by, guess how much? Guess how much? How much? 2,000%. <laughs> oh, my God. So take a turmeric tablet and then crack some That's, pepper in your mouth or something. Well, if you see any turmeric tablets or supplements, they will come with black pepper I've in it. I've never noticed that. It's turmeric and black pepper. Well, there I you go. I told you about this. Like, this was my whole thing. No, you told me it's turmeric. turmeric because black pepper, like, activates it. There you go. And it's always in pairs. Well, by 2,000%, you're welcome. Well, now that you've said all of that, I should probably give it a go. You should. And not be such a hater of the turmeric. I know. And we're both going to um, we're gonna document our journey, but we're both going to start some CBD oil, I've decided today. Yep. So we're going to go CBD and turmeric and watch out. <laughs> We're really stop us. Try I know. And stop us. Anyway, the last couple. So um there's another one called knack. And knack. I've never heard of knack. The only knack I know is the knack that you give to someone when they've had a panadol overdose. But the naloxone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um nas n acetyl cysteine. Cysteine. We're going to call it NAC. It's yeah. an amino acid. Okay. okay. And it helps also with antioxidants and immune regulation. Mm-hmm. It reduces inf- inflammation. It's mm-hmm. also been proven to re- reduce anxiety. Okay. It also improves your egg quality and fertility, which I thought was pretty cool. Yep. Um, it is really present in garlic. <sighs> So God. eat some garlic. Eat some garlic. And garlic it's, stays in my body for fucking days. Your, yeah, poppy's the same, hey? Oh, God. But recent treatment with NAC has been also shown to significantly reduce the size of endometriomas and endometriosis lesions. Okay. Um, and is also helps with the decreasing of the tissue inflammation and the cell invasion of endo. So that's pretty cool. Oh, it kind of puts a um, stop to it. Yeah. And so here, a clinical study in Italy just mm-hmm. recently has found that women with endo taking NAC has had significantly reduced pain and endo size to the point where 30% have cancelled their lap surgeries as well. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, we really, I really do give those like herbal remedies some, some serious shit. shit you too. I know. I the find this stuff's really exciting. I know you do. The um, fish oil, we all know about fish oil. Fish oil is good. It's good, good for, for your, your joints. Brain. It's good for your brain. Omega-3 especially, omega-6 less so. But um, it also helps with inflammatory cytokines, reducing all of them. It's also a study has been done to say that it's been found high-dose fish oil to reduce period pain by 30%. Okay. After an eight-week period of taking it again. So everything's saying eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. Just like the little girl in me just wants to have a tantrum. Yeah. Like, Why does it take so long? I know. But it also um, supports uh, – this is really interesting – People who take sufficient amounts of omega-3, whether that's in your diet, you eat a lot of seafood or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they have higher quality embryos when um, looking at them from an IVF point of view. Really? Yeah, so you that get more and higher quality embryos. I wonder if in the IVF journey you get told to take more omega-3. Um, 
So my friend is in the middle of this and mm-hmm. she has, yeah, got a whole list of what natural things she should be on. Too. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. It also supports progesterone production and increases the uterine blood flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said, you, you, your salmons, your sardines, your things. Mm. And then the last one I just wanted to mention is called selenium. And I didn't know much about selenium and I need to, again, this will be a fun fact follow up, but I used to take a thing called selenium husk. Why are you laughing at me? Because all I heard was Celine Dion. <laughs> Fuck you and your ADHD. <laughs> you are so bad. I'm so sorry. I'm just here trying to wrap up you're my just, fun facts. I know, you're doing Spitting so facts. well. You're so well. And then you were like, Celine. I was like, Celine Dion. <laughs> sorry, carry on. Okay, I'm with you. Selenium. 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 But I used to take a thing Isn't called a Selenium husk. Isn't that a vitamin brand? No, it is the vitamin. But no, but it's like a rainbow label. I don't know. Selenium. Carry on. Um, Anyway, selenium modulates and um, normalizes immune function. And it's also essential for the production of progesterone. But we can really easily, this is what I found quite like topical, but we can easily become really deficient in selenium because Mm -hmm. the way to maintain it is through plant foods um, because Plant foods take up the selenium from the soil, from the ground. Okay, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. obviously we eat the plants. But so, over yeah. the years of in, like intensive farming, mm-hmm. there's heaps of selenium soil depletion. Okay. So it's more and more scarce in the soil. So we're not so getting it from natural the plant foods. We're getting less and less. Mm-hmm. And my skin doctor told me that the other day. Huh. Um, but anyway, what is really good for me and really good for my Hashimoto's moving forward is Hashimoto's. that it reduces inflammation and also it reduces thyroid antibodies, which I have 10 times Too the amount many. that I should. Um, and it's also recently been found to improve heart disease and um, reduce the size of cancer tumors. Wow. I know. So Pretty special. Why yes. don't we know more about it? That's a very I know, hidden- I know. Um, there's heaps I could tell you about thyroids, but that's another episode for another day. I don't want to bombard you with selenium and thyroids, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, and a lot of symptoms, if you have significant selenium deficiency is muscle weakness and fatigue. So yeah. That's me. And the food with the highest source of selenium in the world. Tell me. The Brazil nut. Oh, (laughs) is, is a Brazil nut not a nut? It isn't a type of a nut. I'm pretty sure there's a nut that's not a nut. Well, I don't know. The Brazil nut is. That's going to be a fun fact follow up. Sure. You're but welcome. there is definitely a nut that isn't a nut. Well, there you go. Yeah. And also, um, the brand I was thinking of was Centrum. Centrum. Not selenium. Not selenium. But there you go. There you go. So. I've looked into all of this. I've spent my days reading yeah. books. And You've done so much work. I know. And I think I'm going to start taking selenium and NAC and Magnesium ZMA and whatever. Oh, my zinc. And apparently I need to take another one called Ubiquinol and for my turmeric. thyroid. I'm already on that, babe. I'm on six times the recommended strength of turmeric. Oh, are you having it with black pepper? I don't know. Then you're not having it at all. I'll have to read the bottle now. <laughs> Anyway, that was a wild ride of women's hormones and how yeah. to just improve your soul when you have endo and you are coming off all of the things. My brain kind of hurts from all of the I words. I know. You might have to listen to it a couple of times. I think hey. so, to absorb it. And I've I told also you, hormones like 
I they know, messed but my it's head so up. interesting. It's just I so find many. it so interesting. There's just so many. I know. But I've also not slept and now I'm delirious and I've yeah. got no more smart things coming out my mouth. That literally was the sound of you shutting down. Yeah, I know. It was was just too much. I have nothing to offer you. There is nothing more left in the tank. Well, I think that's a very perfect way to end the episode then. Fabulous. It was a good, very informative episode. It was. Well, I'll definitely have to... Well, I'm even going to listen to it again when I edit it, but... I want to know more because it's something about my body that I have no idea about well that can be your little question slash goal for the week what are you going to do you're going to learn more yeah i think also what's really interesting is that you and i sit on opposite sides of the scale in around knowledge base around um hormones and stuff Mm. in that there is no way in hell i want to get pregnant in any distant future whereas you want want a family you want to have children and prep yourself to be able to do that And I just find it really interesting that both of us don't know very much about it. Um, and for you sitting on that side of the seesaw who want to have a family, the drive to know more about it is ov- is obvious mm. because you want to make your foundations as strong as possible. Yeah, yeah. Whereas for people like me who don't want children it can seem that you don't need to know the stuff because why would you need it? But at the end of the day, whether you want to use the facilities that you have been born with to create a a life, it's still going to exist within your body and it can be as good as it can be or it can just be average. Well, that's the whole thing. Hey, like my body, my choice. You want to be able to have control over your Mm. things that are happening to you or inside of you. And if you can make those things a little bit better then mm. why not? Exactly. Like if that helps your general well-being elsewhere, if this is all saying, you know, it can help with PMS, it can help with headaches, it can help with pain, it can mm. help with inflammation, fucking like give it a go. Yeah, like, why not? why not? Especially someone like us with lots of other things and we've got information everywhere else. If it, it, A lot of this is not just localised to your uterus. So, mm. yeah, give it a go. But, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's a nice segue into the next few episodes. We'll talk a little bit more about fertility and all of those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed this Mm. week, uh, and it was less rogue than last week. Yeah. A little bit more informative back to our usual, actually you are welcome. Yeah. I hope you've all learned something. Please let us know if there is something that you have found really interesting or there's something you want to know more about, or if you have something you can educate and tell us that you found, we Mm. love that. So Please, please, please let us know. Yeah. Anyway. I have a question for you. Do you? What brand is your period undies? Um, so I went to try a few, but I'm going to uh, – the ones I've just got are the seamless ones from Modi Body. Okay. Yeah. Modi Body's a, a big fave. It's the big one. Yeah, big fave. I've not tried um, any other seamless ones, but I really wanted seamless, mm-hmm. just like – I didn't want the whole like looking like I'm in a like, you know, nappy captain feather sword super fucking jock under my, you know, my pants. Yeah, nice. Um, so I've just tried them. The and I really wanted high waisted ones, which I find quite hard to find. I got like a mid rise pair, but I hate them and they're really like low rise. Mm. So I need high, 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 you, high. We know you need a high, high erotang. We know you need um, a and high. And there's like different um, ranges in like you can get thin, like you know, light, heavy, 
yeah, all sure. of the things. And they've released um, betas now. Oh, which is so this is the other thing that I've never really understood about um, periods and bathers and stuff. Like, I just didn't wear anything with bathers. Like, what are you supposed to do? What do you mean? When you're on your period. Do you wear a tampon? Well, I used to. But like, what do people, what do you do when you don't have a tampon? I won't swim. You won't swim? No. If I've got my period, I won't swim. That's so sad. But the thing is, I've never had my period. So it's never oh, been yeah. a problem. Sure. But thinking about it now, I wouldn't you swim. Wouldn't swim. <laughs> but, well, I would. I'd just probably wear some period undies. But that's weird. Like, and then if you get a heavy flow and then you're swishing around. Well, yeah, but then. The water. But then does it come out? Like. Well, it could then, couldn't it? Because this is the other thing. Now we're at the end. We're just, again, now we're going rogue. Whenever I've had a period. It's not been like free flowing blood. Yes. So it's not like I get in the shower and there's just like this gush down my leg yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I think people have people that. People do have that. So, but then just thinking about like science and water and physics and stuff, if you go into the water, does it not like create like a little like vacuum? Yeah, probably. So whatever's in there stays in there? Probably. But then I guess if you get out, then it's free-flowing yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know anyway me neither do you have any uh crotalinis um all right my one is um i will mine's a little bit long actually compared to my usuals so get ready i will start filling my own cup being my own muse knowing my own worth loving my own skin praising my own existence validating my own journey, speaking my own truth, admiring my own reflection, experiencing my own love, enjoying my own company, extending my own energy, creating my own paradise. I love that. And that was by a uh, post by uh, Lavender the book. Speaking of all of those things, did you put your um, sticker on your bathroom? I haven't yet, no. Oh, Shanice. Come on. Sorry. All right, mine's mine's fitting because mine's on the same train as yours this okay. week. Look at us. So my, we're doing the self-love thing, yeah. finding out more about our bodies. So that's the train we're going on. Okay, choo-choo. I love this one. Okay, it's by a girl called Brianna. You don't fall in love with yourself by convincing yourself you are nothing but goodness. You don't heal the holes in your heart by telling yourself they don't exist. You don't just begin believing in your own perfection one day. You fall in love with yourself when you fall in love with the smallest details in your life. You fall in love with yourself when you start to take care of yourself. You fall in love with yourself when you start to stop thinking of self-love as an infatuation, but as a homecoming. You fall in love with yourself when the child inside looks at the adult that you are now and sees the ease of their own approval. Oh, that's so lovely. It is really nice, isn't it? It's really pretty. I really like that. Anyway. Anyway. We hope you enjoyed this week, guys. Yeah, same. Um, That's why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. We hope you have a fabulous fabulous week. week. Take Take care. care. Bye. Bye.